Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones every Inside their hearts and understand that I will love them. I will love them while I still can. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. Uh, I'm Lori uh, LeBay, the host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. And uh, just to let you know a little bit about us before we jump into the show, because we always get new listeners, um, it's just nice for you guys to know a little bit about us. Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort worldwide. We believe by joining four sharing knowledge, and having these everyday conversations about life with dementia that we can remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help people who are living in the trenches take back their lives and live with purpose. Together, we can help everyone understand the true needs of this disease and what it's really like, and hopefully in this process remove those stigmas that isolate so many. At our core, we believe collaboratively we can win this battle against dementia. All of your clicks um, that you have made to share us and like us and tweak us have had a huge impact, and you're really making a difference by doing that. In fact, uh, ShareCare and Dr. Oz recognized us as the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's. So kudos to all of you for being advocates and helping spread the word. I ask for your continued support um, in this fashion to help raise awareness and, and educate individuals around the world. Social media likes and tweets really matter, so keep it up, guys. We want to um, continue to raise awareness by having these conversations, and who we interview here varies from people who have dementia Uh, to those who are caring for them, like our second guest was going to be talking about a beautiful book she wrote about living and loving a spouse with dementia. We have business professionals uh, that might be care partners, or for example, today we're going to have the Better Business Bureau on talking about scams. We also have advocates. We have had musicians and movie directors and people riding their bikes across uh, across country. We've had researchers. So if you think that you might be a good fit, please just make a note in the chat box and, uh, and let us know. Um, or you can always email me by going to alzheimerspeaks.com and uh, just click on the contact button and shoot me an email. I would love to I would love to have a conversation with you. We also would love you to join the conversation here and it's really easy. Again, you can use your chat box or you can call in at uh, 1-714-364-4757. 
That's one seven one four three six four four seven five seven and push one to get into my waiting room and uh and we can go from there uh if you are new to dementia and you're looking for some support, you might want to check out Alzheimer's Disease International. They're known as ADI, and they are the association of associations around the world. And you can reach them at www.alz.co.uk. Others of you might be looking for a clinical study, and so I recommend that you go to alzheimersstudies.com to check that out as well. So let's go ahead and get started with our show today. Our first guest is Gary Johnson, and Gary is a Senior Outreach Manager for the Better Business Bureau of Minnesota and North Dakota. Gary has been associated with the Better Business Bureau since 2004, and he brings 40 years of business experience uh, to his speaking platform. Gary is committed to the mission of the Better Business Bureau and sharing the message with seniors and other interest groups region-wide. Um, his program of Be Wise, Be Informed, Be Empowered um, covers topics like scams and um, you know, uh, think, you know, services that the Better Business Bureau brings uh, to the table, as well as how to empower yourself to take action and um, protect yourself in today's market. So, welcome, Gary. Well, it's great to be here, Lori. Um, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, as they say. Yeah, finally, we survived the storms. I know a lot of people got hit really hard this weekend. Um, so here in Minnesota, we were quite lucky uh, that we were that we were uh, graced um, and left alone from that. So I'm anxious to have this conversation uh, with you today because I think it's very important, and I think so many people um, are are affected by scams. Not just people with dementia, but uh, people of all ages and all stages of life are, are getting hit up with this. But before we start, I always like to ask people, just so our audience has a feel, have you personally ever been touched by Alzheimer's disease, friend or family member? You know, I I have um, a very close uh, friend of mine here uh, in, at the Better Business Bureau, uh, lost her mother to early onset. Uh, I think she was like 56 years old. And uh, uh, Mackenzie has taken a very active role in, in fundraising and events and things for uh, the Alzheimer's Association. And uh, so, yeah, it was very hard uh, watching her uh, go through uh, the experience with her mother. Okay, great. Uh, sorry, sorry for Mackenzie's loss. It's a it's a tough thing, but it's rare when someone is not been um, touched in some form or fashion by this disease. And and here at Alzheimer's Speaks, again, we're just all about trying to help people connect the dots. So again, I I thank you in advance for your time today. Can you tell us? Let's start out with. You know, who is the Better Business Bureau, and what ex- what exactly are their services that they provide? Well, the Better Business Bureau um, is a, a nonprofit organization, and we are uh, funded through uh, dues that our accredited businesses uh, pay to support uh, the Better Business Bureau efforts. 
And uh, we were the first Better Business Bureau established in the United States right here in Minnesota, and we celebrated our centennial last year. So uh, we were the first uh, of about 115 Better Business Bureaus throughout the U.S. and Canada. Now, although we've been around 100 years, a lot of people, uh, you know, maybe have a misconception about the Better Business Bureau, may think we're a, a government agency or a consumer advocacy group or uh, a business-only uh, type of an organization. But what we were founded for and what uh, our uh, forefathers did was wanted to set themselves apart in the marketplace that they would agree to a code of ethics in their advertising and sales promotion. Uh, so that was how the Better Business Bureau was founded. And uh, what we do now uh, is provide uh, consumer information, uh, the purpose of uh, check before you buy. Uh, so anyone can call the Better Business Bureau and find out about a company they're thinking about doing business with. And we also monitor charities. So if you're considering uh, supporting an organization, we can let you know if they are licensed and uh, are complying uh, with the regulations and, and indeed uh, what percentage of the money that they collect goes to the cause. So the biggest part of the Better Business Bureau is to provide uh, consumer information and build trust in the marketplace. And we also uh, handle a complaint uh, resolution. Uh, we are not an enforcement agency, but uh, if you have an issue with a, a contractor or a company you are doing business with and are not satisfied, you can uh, file a complaint in writing to the Better Business Bureau. That complaint then is forwarded to the business for their response. And what it does is usually help uh, bring people together. So uh, of those two uh, aspects, uh, check before you buy and, and maybe some help uh, after the fact, uh, are the the main purposes of the today's Better Business Bureau. Okay, wonderful. Well, and I didn't know that Minnesota was the first one, so you learn something new every single day. I, I tell you, it's just kind of amazing. <laughs> Can you tell us what are some of the most prevalent frauds and scams going around? I know that it, it varies from time to time, and I, and I know I just get a ton of them you know, on my emails constantly, um, and and also I think on the phone, people trying to scam me, giving giving money. But what are the what are the most prevalent ones that your your organization is seeing? Well, and, and like you say, they do kind of cycle and recycle, and uh, there are not a lot of brand new things that happen. But uh, here at the Better Business Bureau, and we see a lot of uh, the. Uh, ones that are kind of hitting the region. And uh, when we take a look at, you know, our demographic, seniors as a whole, uh, you know, we control uh, people over 60 years old, about 70% of the assets and wealth in this country. So that has put a big target on our back. And also the fact that we grew up in an era where we trusted people and we, uh, you know, kind of respected authority and and uh, just felt like uh, we could manage our lives without being taken advantage of, and those times have seriously changed. Uh, when we look at the most prevalent scams out there affecting our group, uh, and I'm included in that, is uh, the uh, grandparent scam, and that one has probably got the most notoriety where uh, you may get a call, uh, Grandma, this is uh, Tim, I'm in jail in Canada, I really need your help. And the big, big red flag is 
please don't tell my parents or don't tell anybody, I'm so embarrassed. Uh, so the scam artists uh, use that uh, secrecy as, uh, you know, not contacting anybody else uh, so that, uh, you know, they aren't going to be influenced by uh, another relative or, or something about uh, sending money. But it it plays on, you know, uh, our group uh, where we want to help uh, our grandchildren out if we can and uh, the uh, those types of scams, the lottery scams and the grandparent scam, for instance, uh, took about $30 million reported out of our state in the last several years. So uh, it's a huge, huge uh, thing that happens every day. Wow. That, and that has to be, uh, you know, spooky because, you, you, you know, if you get a call like that, you do want to help. And um, and they just know exactly how to pull at those heartstrings and uh, to maneuver things. So your recommendation in that case is check with somebody before you move forward and, and don't keep the secret because this is right. m- much more prevalent than you think. Yeah, and uh, they can uh, uh, be very... Uh, they, with the information that's available on all of us since today's... Uh, uh, electronic society. I mean, they seem to have a lot of background on people and know, uh, you know, things about us that you wouldn't think. So, uh, cautions is to number one, uh, you know, check with somebody else in the family. Make at least that call uh, to see, because uh, I've been to into so many places where uh, they call and their grandson is home uh, or he's at work or those types of things. So. Always check, never mail money or wire money to uh, people that you don't know. So uh, I raised five kids myself, and it wouldn't have hurt any one of them to spend one more night in jail until I could uh, sort things out. So uh, it would just build some character, I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, well, and it's about learning consequences for, for what we do right. um, and actions that we take. And again, uh, but it's, it's, it is spooky. I have, you know, I've got a couple of friends, um, one whose mother lives down in Florida, who is, it's almost like she is on the list of scammers. And she has donated so much money and she's invested money um, in terms of thinking that she's going to be helping somebody out in a business. And the daughter is just like trying to shut this down, and she's in Minnesota, and you know, mom is down there and doesn't want to cut her off her phone system. Um, any recommendations on you know, they've had the police involved and all kinds of things, but it's like they keep popping up um, over and over and over, um, you know, with with different scams and different ideas and. And, um, you know, this person is just a real gentle soul and wants to help and um, feels financially she can. And, you know, I, again, I think has a huge, huge target on her because of that. So any ideas for, for somebody, for a family in that situation? Well, what what has happened in this case, uh, this lady has gotten on what is called a hot sheet. And that mm-hmm. uh, just means that, uh, just for an example, if you answer a phone uh, call, uh, you get a check by your name. If you uh, listen to the person on the other line, you get another check by your name. And if you uh, are taken in by their offer, you get a big gold star by your name. And 
then your name is sold to other unscrupulous people, uh, and you get on that treadmill where uh, you're getting these kinds of offers and and phone calls all the time. And uh, it's the uh, the thing that uh, we would suggest. And, and you can, you know, of course, change your phone number and and how and how effective that is, you know, would be short term because uh, these people have a way of finding things out. But uh, that would be one of my suggestions is, you know, to change uh, her contact information. Uh, her, If she's getting them online, uh, do uh, the uh, uh, change uh, your uh, website provider or things like that. And uh, also uh, they uh, should caution the person that, this is not in her best interest, uh, that there are uh, great charities and, and things to support um, that are legitimate. And uh, that's, I think, you know, about as far as we can go because, uh, uh, you know, a person has free will. And uh, But changing the phone number, getting off of these lists, uh, hanging up the phone, uh, the most important thing, uh, just don't answer uh, and don't get involved. Okay, so that would be another one is is to call people back versus um uh you know versus uh, entering into a conversation right away. And it's it's difficult. This this uh woman <clears throat> in particular has early memory loss, um you know, some right. cognitive impairment. And so she, you know, a she doesn't even remember doing some of these things. Um, which is very, very frustrating to the family. And they're trying to, like I said, figure out how best to to protect her. And she she lives in an association, um, you know, in a, in a senior community. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of support, though it sounds like quite a few people in that community are, are being targeted. Um, and not that uh, it has anything to do with the community per se, um, it may just have to do with the ages and the vulnerability um, probably increases or is viewed as, you know, as more beneficial to <laughs> to those that are targeting uh, people for scams. Do you see um, people being targeted by where they live at all? Um, well, yes, I, I, we do because, uh, you know, it's not hard to find out uh, – you know, uh, where uh, senior housing is and where, uh, you know, these associations are established. I mean, they they want to bring people uh, to them to view their facilities and so forth. And uh, even myself, uh, if you just, I just entered my phone number into uh, whitepages.com, and with that phone number it shows my uh, physical address, my home, and my wife who lives with me and our ages. So, uh, those, the information is out there and available, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they really, you know, they treat it as a job. And if uh, someone wanted to uh, talk to uh, single people uh, alone over the age uh, between 65 and 85, they would basically can generate a contact list for that very simply. And uh, again, uh, with your uh, the example that you gave, uh, maybe it's time where uh, there needs to be two people signing checks for for uh, Grandma. Uh, that uh, you know, there she still has her uh, autonomy, uh, but uh, there's a safeguard in place if there's another 
uh, signature on uh, any checks that go out. So I know mm-hmm. being separated by, you know, uh, the north and the south here, it's a little maybe a little hard to do, but um, that way there, there could be some sort of checks and balance in that. Yeah, and they they have done some of that, um, and they've actually gone to letting her use a debit card um, or a credit card, putting money on that. But a lot of them take credit cards too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so you know that's been uh, that's been something pretty interesting. I mean, things that I, I mean, I wouldn't think that they would do that because of being. Tr- traceable, but yet the police are still having a hard time tracing them, so it must be something that they have and then they flip really quickly. Um, yeah, you know, they not... can set up blind accounts that are very hard to trace. So, Yeah, if they would only put this much effort into a real job, how sweet would that be, you know? They could be very successful, but then they'd have to pay taxes. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's uh, it's too bad. You have so many people that are involved in this process, um, you know, trying to uh, trying to outsmart them. But they have much more time because they're not working full time jobs and taking care of families, <laughs> probably. Absolutely. Doing, doing all the things that that everyone else is doing. Um, now and another they... common common one that you know that I personally get is I get all the time these um, fake emails that say either my credit card or my bank has been compromised and to click here and um, and I don't do that I I know not to click there because they're just they they're wanting your password and your contact information and I always for you know I call and then I forward that on but it's you know, it's scary sometimes or, you know, something that says something about your taxes. I mean, I've gotten all different types of ones where I've almost clicked or the UPS one I got for quite a while, too. You've got a package yeah. that can't be delivered right. or monies that are coming to you. Um, what do you suggest in those situations if they're online scams? Well, and and they're getting more and more prevalent, too, and they uh, look very official. I mean, uh, the one that I saw recently was uh, uh, was from the IRS, and it, uh, the statement was, we audited your 2008 tax return. We find that we owe you a refund of $680. You know, click on this link and uh, put in your information, and we'll uh, deposit that money right away today. So mm-hmm. uh, what they're doing, of course, is... Uh, you know, taking the money out of that, that account. Um, my my suggestion is uh, number one: never never wire money or uh, send money off to uh, places that you don't know. Uh, and if you do have a concern, uh, your bank, your credit card company, uh, the Social Security system, uh, and uh, the IRS won't contact you in that manner. Uh, there is a, uh, a a site that I would like you to write down. Uh, it's called the Internet Crime Complaint Center, and it's www.ic3.gov. And that IC3 goes to the ic3.gov. Yeah. Okay. Ic3 in the the number three.gov, and that goes directly to the FBI. 
Mm-hmm. And you, you may not get a response back, uh, probably not. But what happens is uh, if they get enough of these things forwarded to them and they can see which areas are being targeted uh, and hopefully they can uh, start tracking ULRs and getting uh, some resolution in, in stopping these uh, people. Uh, but again, uh, never open links uh, that you're not uh, – that you didn't request information for, and uh, and also uh, forward it on. You don't even have to open them; just forward uh, to ic3.gov, and okay. that way they're out. Yes. Yeah, Gary, I just want to clarify: is it is it I as in the letter, and then C is in the letter? Yeah. Or is okay? So okay. It's so, just the okay, three. So. The, the three indicated. Yeah. I okay. letter letter I letter C number three dot gov. Gotcha. Okay. I I just wanted to make sure on that because I thought oh, with more I was thinking about it, I was like, well, it could be different. I better check. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of ways you could. Well, and you know another out. thing on online too. Uh, there's another thing to really watch out for, uh, and that is uh, called the romance scam, and it's picking up more and more where. Uh, people may be uh, looking for, uh, you know, some social outlets and things like that, and and they get online and pretty soon uh, can develop an online communication with someone, uh, and all of a sudden uh, there's uh, romantic overtures, and uh, this person is a uh, wealthy businessman overseas and uh, uh, wants to come and in, in, uh, be with this uh, person. Uh, they feel that there's a life connection, and then it'll come to the point where he can come and in, in, in be with her, but he needs forty thousand dollars to re- release a shipment uh, of his business products or, or his, uh, you know, to uh, pose a deal, and then he can come and and be with that person. And it's amazing uh, how many people get drawn into that, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, beware on uh, these, uh, you know, romance scams and, and those types of things, especially online, because you're not having a conversation. You're just uh, chatting back and forth. And these people are, are very good at what they do, and there's huge dollars that are, are taken uh, from people in that type of a, uh, a scam. Well, you see that on, you know, I've seen it on 2020 and 60 Minutes and things. And, I, you know, I'm single and I've tried the online dating things. And, and I, I had one guy who was just um, definitely a scammer and, um, call, you know, called him on it. And, of course, he wasn't and blah, blah, blah. And, and it was just bizarre. And then he ended up, my girlfriend was on this dating uh, service as well. And um, all of a sudden he popped up same picture different name we ended up finding three different names we you know i reported him you know to the place and um we we just joke because he was talking to her and i said you know i said tell him Lori says hi and to get off the site <laughs> and it was just one of those goofy things and and it was you know, it's really um, it's really frustrating with people. Um, but what I noticed in that particular thing, and they they say this on the the, the dating scams, um, which I'm sure can happen with with any type of scam, was that right. his English would change. He, he used a lot of quotes. 
um, and, and different things. But just the way he wrote and communicated, I could tell it wasn't the same person. And it almost felt like it was a group working um working the process and I don't oh, know if that's sure. how they work or not. Um well, but that sure like is a, how it felt. Yeah, it could be like a boiler room situation where there's more than one or two uh or more uh, uh people working the same scams and whosever number comes up you just follow what was said before, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's yep. it's very important uh you know to uh just if it sounds too good to be true it probably is. And again, mm-hmm. uh, if somebody's trying to get your personal ident- information or or requesting money, be very cautious. Uh, you know, talk with talk with friends and family. Uh, don't be isolated. Uh, and the same with you know the uh, lottery scams, which we hear so much about too. Um, you know, we all would like to. Well, I think I bought. I'm sure uh, more tickets than I needed for that last big one, uh, you know, and uh, of course I didn't win, but uh, at least I had a chance. But um, these uh, people that get on on lottery uh, scams kind of get on that hot sheet too, where uh, if you see a neighbor or a friend that's got a lot of uh, mailers from you have won this and that, uh, it means they probably are participating uh, and sending money. So, number one, uh, lotteries, uh, out, of, out of the country lotteries are illegal in the U.S., so that's a big red flag. And uh, number two, you would never have to pay money to win a prize. So, never uh, send money up front to uh, claim uh, uh, winnings or a prize. So, that's just a caution on the lottery scams. Okay. And I, you know, I've seen a couple of those come to my house too. And it's like, oh, you just, you've won this, but you have to pay for shipping or, or something. I mean, there's just always. Right. Yep. Yep. Now I've heard that there are ones for, um, and I, and I actually, I got one on my, uh, my cell phone and it was a text and I'm trying to think what happened, but I pushed the wrong number and all of a sudden I I saw a fee showing up that I was being charged for and they said, "Oh, well, you must have gotten this and you, you must have agreed to it." And I said, "Well, first of all, I didn't agree to it. I couldn't get it to go away without pushing a number on my cell phone. I was so frustrated because it like froze it up almost." Right. And then I had to call my my uh, cell phone company and they said, "Well, we'll block any third party things because apparently that's becoming a big deal now too um where they're texting you something and asking you to participate um and it's real easy to push the wrong button or the way they phrase the questions you're not really even sure what you should <laughs> what you should right. um to accept it are you seeing more of those as well Yes, uh, you know, uh, and, and that'll only increase uh, with uh, you know smartphone activity and and things that are going on. And, and again, um, there are uh, some uh, blocking devices and things that uh, I would contact my my phone provider and see if there's uh, something that they're offering to. Uh, it even happened to me at work here one day, um, looking for uh, some pictures for. Uh, a brochure that I wanted to build, and uh, I was on a site that uh, all of a sudden froze up my terminal here at work, and 
and our IT person basically had to buy a uh, software patch uh, to get uh, things cleaned up. So uh, there are just a, a lot of ways that uh, uh, we can be uh, drawn in or, or trapped into some of these uh, offers and things like that. And there, uh, it, it just seems like it's hard to, to stay ahead uh, of the game because the criminals. Uh, you know, by the time we find a way to uh, to slow them down or or uh, stop them, uh, they're onto something else already. So, yep, just mm -hmm. be uh, very cautious. And, and and even on the phone calls, the robocalls that people get, uh, where it'll be an automated. If you don't want to hear from us, uh, press one or two, and you don't want to hear from them, so you press that number. And what that has done is uh, told that company that, yes, this is a working phone number and it gets answered uh, by a person at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and that's compiled into a scam list and, and sold. Uh. So uh, don't take directions. Don't think you're just hang them up, you know. Um, uh, don't even bother. Get a, a caller ID, and uh, if it's your friends, uh, they'll leave you a, a message and you can call them back. But, um, yeah, they can... Uh, get numbers that are you know look like they're from our area code, but they could be calling from Latvia. It uh, it just doesn't. Uh, uh, there's so many ways that they can hide their identity. Unbelievable. I you know I get those calls and I get so frustrated. And you know what do you think about the the do not call list? That doesn't really work, does it? Or well, I mean, the do not call list works for the purpose it was intended. Uh -huh. uh, legitimate businesses monitor their do not call list. So mm -hmm. you can have, and I just got uh, solicited on my cell phone um, on the reduce your credit card interest rate type thing. And oh, the yeah. First time that happened. Uh, and, uh, but uh, when it, uh, the do not call registry uh, is good for your cell phone and good for, uh, your home phone, uh, but what it does, it doesn't shut out the unscrupulous people. Uh, really, uh, the uh, people that you've done business with in the past can legitimately call you. Uh, of course, charities can contact you, and uh, the uh, politicians have uh, that opportunity because uh, they write the laws. But, um, but as far as um, getting those calls. Uh, just know that it's somebody that doesn't have your best interest at heart because legitimate businesses do monitor the do not call and uh, they uh, respect that because uh, they don't want to damage their business but the criminals and crooks disregard it you could uh, they won't they won't uh, adhere to that so if you're getting those calls it's not in your best interest Okay, okay. So with the credit card ones, because those are just constant, um, again, right. you just don't don't answer the phone. I mean, I, more and more I'm thinking I just don't even want a home phone number anymore. <laughs> um, you know, because most of what I get is scams because most people know my cell phone. But then, I, you know, I worry that if I get rid of that, that everything's just going to come to my cell phone too and, um, and it's real easy for me to to answer that at times because I, I you know I I get calls that are from all different types of numbers and and uh, and so forth. But you know I might just have to change change my habits there as well, you know, with that. So 
interrupt. Yeah, we just have to have to be very very cautious and uh, and really do uh, screen. Uh, I did have one lady uh, that uh, when she was getting all of these phone calls, uh, she said, "I do this once in a while." She speaks fluent Russian, so mm-hmm. she just started uh, answering their questions in Russian, and pretty soon they hung up. So. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it, it was her little game that she played with them, but again, uh, you shouldn't even have to, to do those kinds of things. So, exactly. Now, are you seeing much that is um, coming in the mail these days, or is most of it um, going down the lines of of uh, of technology? Well, it's it's both, and, and and primarily because there's a great percentage of uh, our senior group that aren't connected. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of us are, and uh, but there's a lot of people that uh, their landline and, and their mail is their means of uh, keeping in touch with people. And mm-hmm. again, uh, if you uh, uh, the check things where they would send you an authentic looking check for six thousand dollars or sixty five hundred dollars, and you're uh, supposed to uh, deposit that check in your bank and then forward uh, a sum on to a third party and uh, keep the rest for yourself. And the checks look authentic and, and uh, they can pass through uh, a bank uh, without uh, being detected uh, in in a lot of regards. And, and banks, of course, are, are more aware of what's going on too, so they are, they are watching for these kinds of things. But what happens is uh, that money... Uh, is uh, it's a bad check, and you are then responsible for uh, the money that you sent off to someone else. And uh, so, uh, and if you participate in any of those, uh, especially the charity ones, the, where they send you a, a nickel in the mail, or they send you uh, label stickers uh, for this charity cause, or whatever, and if you do feel compelled and respond to that, uh, then you're on a mailing list that's shared. And uh, that keeps the mail flow coming in. And uh, if you participate uh, in those uh, responding to those uh, those letters that come, uh, you're just going to get more of them. And uh, uh, I had a, a, a well, actually, it was uh, Andy Rooney, the old commentator, uh, said if there was a return envelope uh, in uh, the mailer, um, he would uh, just send it back to them. At least they had they had to uh, pay double for for mailing contacts. So um, <laughs> that was one of his suggestions. He said just uh, just write on it, uh, you know, take me off your list, or even he got nastier than that. But uh, uh, <laughs> if it's prepaid, to send it back, send it back. Pretty soon they'll get tired uh-huh. of that. Well, it's funny because you're mentioning all these things, and it's like, oh, I get the nickels and the quarters, and I've got right. the labels, and you know all those things, and I keep the labels, and I throw out the rest, and and um, stuff, and you know, or, or the shirts. I mean, I I I'm thinking now of all the things that are sent, um, and all the different ways, and it, it, gosh, it is, it's just difficult. And then when you add somebody who has dementia to boot on this um, who's trying so hard to do the right things and right. still be involved I mean I can see where where they could get taken so much easier but I mean this stuff happens to to everybody at at all different ages and um, it just is 
it's sad. It's just sad that we even have to be battling this kind of stuff. What are some do's and don'ts that you have for people uh, that that might be helpful? And can you just kind of summarize those? Sure, we could do that quickly. You know, the do not call registry is important and uh, uh, to at least, uh, you know, minimize some of that. But And, and keep records of transactions uh, and shred documents before uh, throwing them away. Uh, so review your uh, medical statements to, you know, match it up with a calendar that, yes, I was at this clinic on this day and I saw this doctor. Um, just check that against the uh, bills and things that come in to make sure that uh, you're not getting uh, double billed or billed for services uh, that uh, you uh, didn't receive. So, uh, and the same goes with your credit card statements and things like that. Review them, monitor them. Even on your phone, there's a, a thing called cramming where uh, people can uh, put a uh, third-party charge on your account. It may be minimal, 3 to $5 a month, uh, but it claims that you signed up for such and such service on your phone and mm-hmm. you, you didn't, but it shows up on your bill. So monitor those uh, statements and then just shred and destroy and, you know, trust your instincts. I mean, we, we all uh, grew up with, uh, you know, uh, knowing what was right and wrong. So uh, just be uh, cautious about that. Uh, never wire money like we talked about. Never wire money uh, before verifying who the money's going to. Uh, you know, the um, the MoneyGram and, and some of those uh, transfer outlets have really gotten uh, – more helpful in the last few years where they, they are questioning seniors or vulnerable people if they're sending money off in, in large amounts, uh, asking them, do you know where this is going? And now the scam artists are, are just uh, telling uh, them instead of going to Western Union or MoneyGram uh, to go buy a, a red dot card or a green dot card at uh, basically it's a preloaded debit card and, and uh, send off to them. So they're trying to find different ways. So And re- resist high pressure. Uh, some of these people that do the phone scams and things, uh, they really try to wrap their arm around uh, seniors and, and uh, have all these causes, and, and it's for their best interest. And if you show some resistance uh, to their offer, then they can get downright belligerent and saying, you need to do this to comply or you will be cut off from services and things like that. So uh, just resist any high-pressure tactics that uh, you might encounter. So those would be, uh, you know, some of the things to really watch out for. Yeah, and I, I know with my uh, my friend's mom in Florida, they had gotten kind of nasty with her. And, you know, and then she, very intimidating. And oh, you know, yeah. this was a really strong, strong lady, but again, wants to do the right thing. And, um, you know, it's just it's just so sad. We hear, you know, sometimes with even um, hired professionals who are giving care, you know, sometimes there'll be issues with that as well. Do you run into into much of that or um, as far as scams, as far as companies go there? You know, we haven't uh, gotten um, uh, too many of those that I get, uh, you know, notified on right away. But again, uh, uh, having people in your home, uh, you know, they even if the companies are licensed and bonded and those types of things, uh, you just have to be aware that uh, 
not having personal information out and about and having valuables uh, where they can uh, be easily accessed and those types of things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for the most part, uh, our, our service providers are, uh, you know, doing the right thing. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, just be uh, aware and, and, and just be um, kind of street smart, I guess, uh, is what I would uh, encourage people to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it is definitely a, definitely a complicated little little web of things. Are there some warning signs that that caregivers should be aware of when you know when they're caring for a loved one that's got some memory loss? Are there some some things that they should be kind of red flagged and and you know actively looking for? Well, you know. <laughs> Just being a good neighbor, uh, too, if you're, if you're uh, uh, visiting with someone and you see that, you know, they aren't taking care of themselves uh, like they used to or they're becoming more withdrawn uh, or you see that uh, there's uh, a lot of, uh, like we talked about, the sweepstakes or charity mailers piling up, uh, things like that. And if if they're not doing, you know, if they're changing very rapidly and, and uh in their way of, uh, you know, kind of managing their affairs and doing things, uh, their resources may have been, you know, tapped on on these things that they've gotten involved in. So uh, just be a good neighbor in some regards. And if you're a primary uh, caregiver relative and you see these things, uh, or if they get very cautious about uh, not answering the phone if you're there or uh, you're seeing a lot of checks made out to uh, places that, you know, don't you know? Uh, seem to be a, a, a little bit off off the wall, um, or that they just you know start to act secretively. Uh, they don't want to let you know what's going on with their finances, or they don't want to let you uh, you know about uh, their activities and, and things like that. It, it means that you know they <clears throat> may have been taken and scammed and uh, are aware of it, but just uh, feel. Uh, that if they let people know, it's going to be one more step to uh, losing some of their independence. Yeah, it's it's a very scary process uh, for people because I, I think you're right. There's so much shame um, in in these whole things. Like I said, when I was on my my little dating thing, and but you know, I, I thought, oh, this guy is is real, and then it came down to. So this is getting a little fishy, and I thought, well, how dumb am I, you know, to get roped in? And, and you start second-guessing yourself, and it's just like, gosh, I've always made good decisions. What's wrong with me, you know? And um, I really was beating myself up, and, you know, a girlfriend said, Lori, these kids are professionals, you know? Absolutely. This is their job. They work hard to deceive, you know? And most of us just don't have our radar up at that level, um and and it's sad that we have to you know but they're you know being scammed um you shouldn't feel shamed i mean you weren't the one that did anything wrong you know it's the other guy and there's a lot of i think parallels to dementia there's so much shame um attached to the disease where you know no one signed up for this, you know this is something that just happened to them, um, but so much has to do with the the ignorance and and the um, you know the the uninformed, um, uneducated in terms of 
of the disease at large. And, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, hopefully will will change over time and um, and get get better and easier. Now, if somebody has a complaint, what should they what should they do? Well, uh, you can contact us here at the Better Business Bureau, and I can give you a number if uh, you want to take that now. Uh, sure, but, sure. We uh, can give it out a couple of times. It's not going to hurt. Yeah, you. if you have a, a concern or a complaint or just want to find out information, uh, you can call us locally at 651-699-1111. There's four ones in a row there. Or out of the area, our 800 number, 800-646. Six two two two, and then of course online at uh, www.bbb.org or just bbb.org. Okay, and and, 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 and mm-hmm. oh, pardon. I was going to ask you on the one eight hundred number. Will that bring them to? Will they be able to get to wherever they? wherever they're located, or is that just Minnesota's number? I'm not exactly sure how you guys work. Yeah, this would be uh, for our uh, direct uh, Minnesota-North Dakota responsibility. And uh, there are, uh, like I say, 115 bureaus throughout the U.S. and Canada. So uh, if you are a snowbird or if you have friends or neighbors or family in another state, uh, they can contact uh, their local Better Business Bureau and uh, you would be able to see that at uh, the bbb.org uh, site. Uh, you could enter in a zip code, and it would uh, tell you where the uh, nearest one was available. On uh, complaint filing, everything has to be in writing. So if you have a complaint against a company um, and or an issue, uh, just a, uh, a simple note or a letter, uh, that will be forwarded on to the party, uh, the business for their response, or they can be filed online. Uh, just go to bbb.org and then it'll pop up, file a, a complaint, and you can do it online. Uh, these need to be in writing uh, so that the um, uh, business uh, is aware of uh, who is making uh, the statement and so they who know who to contact to uh, work on resolution. So, uh, that would be uh, our, our best contact numbers, our 800 number, and uh, the local number. Okay, wonderful. Um, now, are there um, are, is there a place where people can check on, let's say, lists for um, charities, you know, and, and, and how all of that works? Do you, do you guys track that? Uh, yes, we do. We, we, uh, we do have... Uh, the ability to let you know uh, if you call in and, and uh, say, uh, I'm thinking about working uh, with uh, XYZ uh, charity. And what we will do is give you the information as to, number one, are they registered uh, and uh, approved to uh, do this uh, solicitation? Uh, and then we can also give you some background and history as to what percentage of the money that uh, is collected uh, goes to actually support the cause that you want to support. So uh, that's a very important feature too, because there are even a lot of old line charities that you know may have high administrative or fundraising costs, and uh, so you want to have at least uh, 65 to 70 percent 
of the money that you spend going to support the cause and not to uh, just go for basic overhead of uh, the charity. So, um, so you can contact us, give us a call, or you can go online uh, and uh, uh, see that uh, option at our website too where you can check in. Uh, the thing about the charities is, uh, you know, there's a, you know, disaster around every corner, and uh, we're getting uh, solicited for this or that. And even when the Boston bombing was uh, a recent one, where uh, people set up these funds right away uh, to start collecting uh, money to support uh, the injured people or whatever, but a lot of them are, are just bogus uh, places to send money. So. Uh, be very cautious on sound alike charities, uh, especially with all of our returning veterans um, and uh, high-pressure tactics, of course, uh, that we need this money today, uh, these people are starving, those types of things uh, you know, are just one of the red flags to watch out for. Uh, the emotional feels, the hunger drives and things like that, uh, and requesting cash payments. Uh, is another big red flag for uh, you know some of the the charity uh, solicitations that are out there. If they're unable to provide you the information uh, regarding uh, you know their registration and those types of things, uh, just be just see those as red flags. Um, I myself personally support uh, you know childhood cancer research. Uh, I have a, a granddaughter that's a survivor and. Uh, Heart Association, and even when I get calls uh, from these organizations, uh, Mr. Johnson, uh, we thank you for your support, and can we count on you for uh, the upcoming year? And uh, I've chosen to just uh, let the phone solicitor know that I make my contributions by check directly to the organization, uh, because that way uh, I know it's going uh, to uh, the cause I want to support, but also uh, the uh, money that's paid to the phone solicitors goes uh, to uh, my cause and not to, uh, you know, uh, 30 or 40% going to the fundraisers. So, um, you know, even if you get those calls from people you support, my suggestion, I just do this, is pay directly. Uh, that way mm -hmm. uh, I know that I'm getting the most bang for my buck. Okay. Well, that's that's wonderful advice. Um, there's just so many things to to try to keep our hands in and figure out. Now, I do have somebody, it looks like, on the line from a 972 number, and if that person wants to ask a question, if you want to go ahead and push uh, 1 on your phone, then I'll know some people will just call in and, and want to want to listen. So if you're from a 972 number and would like to uh, ask a question to Gary, uh, please go ahead and, and just push one. I don't see any comments in our, in our chat box at this time, but it's been so interesting uh, talking with you and learning about how sad it is about the various, uh, various types of scams because we've covered quite a few of them. Kind of amazing <laughs> yeah. how many are out there, um, but how badly uh, you know we need to educate people in terms of being smart and protecting themselves, especially somebody with uh, dementia. And I think a lot of times it's it's hard to protect people when we're you know we're so overwhelmed with all the other cares and 
in pieces. Sometimes this stuff is forgotten about, and then all of a sudden um, it can turn into a crisis situation. Um, you know, I've I, I've seen it many many times um, where it's where it's happened, and people just weren't aware of it, and then all of a sudden, yeah. You know, someone reviews the bank account and and really sees what's happening and trying to stop it can be um, very frustrating. Like I said, I know my girlfriend whose mom is in California and she lives up here in Minnesota has had several conversations um, with the police and uh, various aspects trying to trying to put a stop to it and um, just you know they can't because they keep switching <laughs> their identities at the other end and so it makes it makes it difficult um i'm going to ask there's another uh person who's popped up now a 512 number if you're interested in asking Gary a uh, a question or making a comment please just go ahead and and push one uh they may be on the line for for the next segment as well there so um Gary do you want to give out people your contact information one more time please I certainly will um, it's our online is bbb.org very simple uh, our phone number uh, locally six five one six nine nine one 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 or our 800 number uh, 800 six Four six six two two two. Also, on our senior uh, web link on our website, we do have uh, links to other uh, good contact uh, numbers, uh, resources for senior uh, seniors. We uh, have the credit reporting agencies, the attorney general's office, uh, the stop jump mail. Just a, a number of uh, good contacts uh, you'll find on our uh, resources for senior page. Ooh, the stop junk mail. I might have to hit that one up. Uh, you know, the other <laughs> one is um, we had talked about uh, the the credit uh, scams and stuff out there, but are you seeing stuff with foreclosures too? Um, I seem to be getting more and more mail on that kind of jazz too. Yes, there's, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of companies that are claiming to, you know, be able to help uh, people in trouble uh, with their uh, either, you know, credit card uh, uh, situations or or uh, mortgage uh, foreclosure things too. And again, be very cautious in entering into any agreements. Um, you can check uh, some of those things out with the Commerce Department uh, at the state level uh, before you would enter into any agreement to. Uh, pay a fee up front uh, to have them, uh, you know, work through uh, agreements because typically um, uh, working with the financial institution is uh, the best way to do it and paying fees to have uh, uh, some of these uh, people uh, claim that they can uh, uh, stop foreclosures and things uh, is pretty much, a, you know, a bogus claim. Uh, another mm-hmm. thing that... Uh, uh, that seniors uh, are there's some good options for uh, reverse mortgages. Uh, there are some scammers out there too. So again, uh, a reverse mortgage uh, in some cases is, is a, a very good financial tool. Uh, but again, uh, 
before you would enter into any uh, of those types of agreements. Uh, be very thorough in your investigation of uh, just what your obligations are and what the company uh, is there to uh, do and support. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time and all the wonderful information that you that you shared with us today. I know you're a busy guy, and so we will we will let you go. But again, thank you so much. It was a very interesting conversation, and appreciate your time as well as I'm sure our listeners do as well. Lori, I do appreciate the opportunity, and uh, we will uh, meet again. I'm sure. Okay, thanks so much, Gary. Bye now. Before I roll into our next guest, I just want to uh, mention a couple of uh, housekeeping things. Um, I want to talk about our last radio show, which was called Dementia uh, Action for Global Change, where I interviewed Mark Wartman, the Executive Director from Alzheimer's Disease International, which is a really uh, great conversation about their recent conference in Taipei. And um, I, I think that's on the first half. The second half of the show, I think it's in about 51 minutes, is Kathy Greenblatt, who is an author and a sociologist and just a, a fabulous photographer who has written a new book called Love, Loss, and Laughter. There's also a video, if you go to uh, the thealzheimersspeaks.com, uh, you can go over to the blog and just uh, search brilliant video, and it's very interesting what it captures, the, the joy in the stages uh, of life. And again, had just a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Kathy um, traveled to, I think it was seven different countries, uh, taking these photos. And so again, uh, show was very interesting, and and all of our shows, of course, are archived for your convenience. Our next show coming up will be on May 28th, and we're going to be talking with Music First about a new app that Coral Health has, which is all research based that can help us um, utilize music to shift our moods and to remove those reactions that we like to call behaviors. Uh, and then the second half of that show will be Janet uh, Calthorpe with us, and she brings activities into the home, which is a, a unique uh, venue. I also want to just mention that we had our last dementia chat, and that is recorded. You can access that either through the blog or the website, or even on Facebook, you can go to Dementia Chats and friend us there, and the link will be there. But we had a great conversation with Harry and Mike talking about, Michael, talking about best practices um, for communicating. Um, we had a real interesting conversation on the test questions that uh, both professionals and families use to just kind of see how their loved one or their client is doing. And I think it'll give you some good tips on how to phrase those questions and are they really relevant or not. We also talked about eating habits and how those can change as well as body temperature. And so our next Dementia Chats will be at our regular scheduled time, which is 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific time on May 28th. And I can't believe the end of May is almost here already. 
let's see, what else do we have? Again, if you're looking for an Alzheimer's Association to connect with, please go to Alzheimer's Disease International. They are the association of associations, and so you can pretty much find the closest one in the world to you. And if you're interested or in the need of looking for a clinical trial, uh, just go to www.alzheimersstudies, and you will be able to uh, find out some information on some clinical clinical studies. And if you're just uh, chiming in right now, again, we would love it if you would um, help us spread the word about Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. This is kind of a global global effort um, and a collaboration amongst all of us. So by sharing it on your uh, Facebook page and tweak, tweeting it, emailing it, embedding it, um, you know, shooting it to your social media force, you are just helping um, raise awareness, which is really what we're all about here. And again, if you want to join the conversation, we would love to have you uh, ask a question or make a comment, and you can do that utilizing the chat box, um, or you can call in live at 714-364-4757. That's 714 714- Three six four four seven five seven, and if you have a question, you have to push one so that I, you'll get into my waiting room, and I'll know that you're here. So let's go ahead and get on to our next guest. I'm very excited to uh, to have her with us, and it's kind of funny. I connected uh, with this woman via her son Daniel, uh, which was so interesting. How you meet people through social media. Uh, Nancy Smiler Livingston um, is an award-winning author of 28 books for young readers, written for a span of ages, including fiction, historical fiction, nonfiction, and um, biographies. She was born in Minneapolis and grew up uh, there, and then graduated from the University of Minnesota with a major in journalism and minors in English and history. Nancy had a short-lived stint in the newspaper industry as a reporter, and then she started writing for children. And this joyful work came from her love of literature and often reading to her two sons uh, when they were younger. She met her husband in New York, uh, where he was an internist uh, specializing in cardiology. And then they moved to Los Angeles, uh, where they lived for nearly 50 years. Her new book, Moments of Dawn, a poetic memoir of love and family, affliction and affirmation, is her first book she's ever written for an adult audience. And this is going to be our topic of discussion today. And it is an absolutely gorgeous book, very moving, so poignant, and really talks about some deep, deep um, emotions wrapped in life um, as we live. So welcome, Nancy. How are you today? I'm fine. Nice to speak with you and and, uh, nice to have the uh, invitation to discuss this. Well, you know, I was reading your book, and it's it's so moving, and you you talk so openly about so many different variables. Uh, it, it was just absolutely amazing. I'm going to read just a, a portion of of uh, 
you know, one of one of your pages here. It says, I I grieve for many years I have left, preparing to live without you. Your death while you still breathe. I mourn all that I have taken for granted, the loss of our everyday occurrences, the mundane, the blissful, the disagreements, the frustrations, um, the fisticuffs. I admit to having felt very deserving, now bolts of reality. Who of us is prepared for such an end? And that's just a piece of, of uh, you know, one of your, your beautiful, beautiful writings in, in this book. Um, like I said, I, I think you just write so honestly. Okay. Um, you, talk, you talk about the whole range of emotions. You know, you don't just go down the rabbit hole, but you go, you fly up to the sky and you spin around in, in dismay, which is how we all live. Um, but I think it's rarely how we talk about life. Um, I, I find so many times people aren't really honest with the whole picture and they're embarrassed of certain emotions or thoughts. And I, I thank you so much for your honesty um, because I really think that it helps so many think it's okay and it makes it safe uh, to well, have Well, thank you. I, I do believe that in writing, um, it, it's important to be authentic. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, this is where this came from. Um, but also, I had the time, unfortunately, but I, I began writing this um, many years ago and wrote as I was living it so that I had very specific um, scenes in my mind just at the moment so that I was able to capture the feelings or the the situations and then the feelings about them uh, very fresh in my mind as I um, moved along on the computer. And... um, I just think that, um, of course, the result of that was a lot of repetition when it came to the end um, of the book or where I decided to end it. Uh, I I think that there was a great deal of repetition that had to be uh, edited and deleted to, um, you know, make it a smoother and better read from start to finish. So um, that was uh, the way that kind of went, and I think that was a help in, in bringing out each emotion as we went along. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things, um, one of the things I, I think we should probably start because I, I could just sit here and, and keep reading different pieces of your book because I just think it's so powerful. Oh, um, kind too. <laughs> but but can you? Um, Tell us a little bit about um, some, you know, back history here. When did you realize that your husband um, had Alzheimer's disease? You know, how old was he, and, and what were some of the what were some of the signs that you were seeing? Okay, well, it, it real. I would say that I'm really going back maybe um, twelve years, uh, and maybe thirteen even, but with. Uh, little red flags, that, but that were very um, few and far apart. And in some way, I would 
maybe go into denial myself, even though my gut feeling would tell me that certain things, and I, I can be specific about those in a moment, uh, that certain things didn't feel right, but I would try to uh, brush over it myself. I would think, oh, he's, oh, my husband is, is very busy reading the newspaper. He's not paying attention. Um, and then I understand, of course, having read a great deal and learned a great deal since you know, over the years, over the recent years, that the situation begins before there really are any symptoms. But I would say that the first, the, I, I can I can even pinpoint the very first time that I, I was kind of perplexed. Um, I, I have a number of, throughout, because I've been writing for so long, I have a, a number of editors over the years at, at different publishing houses, and um, they would be often discussed at the dinner table or wherever we were, uh, and uh, just often by using their first their names. And uh, my husband, when I would mention one name or, or another, he would say, who, "Who are you talking about? What um, what Virginia is that?" And um, he had known, you know, he'd even, for instance, met this Virginian. We had had dinner together and so forth. And so I, at that point I kind of said, well, maybe I there have so many girls, you know, women's names. I've got friends in, in one area and uh, women's names in a, a publishing area and so forth. So it was just that he um, was already a little bit confused. And uh, then I, the, the tip-off, when I find when I had to really speak out loud, um, I I heard him often. Um, well, he start began to repeat questions, and the, the very specific thing was that he was retired, and the two of us were were at home, and our sons were out of the house and working, and one um, he would be on the phone and ask them a question. Uh, something like, oh, well, what are your plans for the weekend? And then he would uh, a minute later ask the same thing. Incidentally, uh, the repetition of questions, interestingly, if we talk about the brain, um, they were always repeated in exactly the same way with the exact words. So I don't know what that means neurologically, but I just found that very interesting. But I thought at first, I thought, well, you know, he loves to talk to his sons, and he uh, will um, kind of keep the conversation going so they won't hang up and say, hey, Dad, you know, I've got to get out and do something. Uh, and then finally, I, I asked one of my sons who lives um, with me, with not with me, but, I mean, lives in the same city here in Los Angeles. I said, have you noticed that Dad is repeating questions? And he said, Mom, I've been meaning to talk about that with you. And then we called our other our other son who you know found that very difficult <laughs> came out to visit and uh, uh, uh stayed with us for several days and firmed this and it was it was um a difficult um acceptance on our part and the three of us decided we must go ahead immediately take be proactive be a team and be uh, act absolutely uh, together. All decisions should be made, even though we would have to make some compromises. Um, and uh, those, I think, were the 
very specific things. Um, and I notice that now with other people. Uh, I, I can tell very quickly. Uh, someone will ask meet me and say, "Oh, oh how are how are your how are your son, how are your sons? What are they doing these days?" And then I will answer. And then a moment later, exactly the same question, and a, a little red flag goes up to be at that point. Okay. Um, interesting. It's a long answer, I know. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's okay. It's. Um, you know, it's a fascinating disease, and I I hear people all the time say, you know, it's not the same caring for a parent as it is for a spouse. There's there's huge, huge difference. And I think we all, um, in, uh, on an intellectual basis, understand that, but it's hard to put into, it's hard to put into words. You've got written here <clears throat> on one of your pages, mm-hmm. how can I tend to you when you won't allow it? Do I love only the person you were and struggle to hold on during moments of tranquility? We hold each other in bed in the morning. We exchange no words. Your eyes are closed. Your body is warm and feels strong. I can pretend it is what we once had. And I just, oh, it just brings tears to my eyes reading that. Um, I mean, that is the difference. I mean, you know, that is the difference. I mean, it's it's your everything, and not, you know, with with me, you know, my mom and I are very close, and always have been. But you know, I don't cuddle with her in bed. I don't um, rely on her to, you know, you know, for every interaction in my life. You know, it's I, I had my own life as well. Yeah. And you know to lo- to to lose that merging, you know, especially over a fifty year period, um, I, you know, I just can't imagine the levels of loss. I know what it's like for a child, um, and I know what it's like for me, um, <clears throat> because everybody uh, everybody attacks this different. But when you've got a, a loving, close relationship that is now shifted. Um, it's just your book is so powerful, you know, what you say and how you say it. Um, and I think it will help a lot of couples um, maybe come to, to peace knowing that they're not alone in their, in, their, in their struggles, in their emotions. And, you know, how do you, how do you get through all of this? How do you frame it? How do you, how do you be safe with it? Um, and I would think that safety is um, is a big piece of your loss. It, it, would that be correct? Um, I think so. Uh, being when I, I guess I would have to say that when something like this occurs and you can't fix it. Um, mm-hmm. Coming to accept that you can't fix it. There's really nothing you can do except some kind of palliative activities or, and and or care. Um, one has to find something, something else to hang on to. And I I, I believe that um, for me, turning to words, poetry, and prayer because I feel that prayer uh, it really is poetic. And just when when you're up against a, a stone wall, the, the, I, I find that's just one of the very, very few 
avenues to turn towards, and uh, we belong to a synagogue, and um, our, our we were there, my husband and I were there uh, always when our children were in Sunday school and through their bar mitzvahs, and then there are periods when I didn't go very often, but I was just very glad to find this as a, something that was very supportive of the, you know, really a found, well, I don't know what exactly how to call it, but uh, uh, just something there for me to stand on and to be, have, get support and love um, from people who really cared. And there are other people, one of the women uh, whom I met in a support group, um, I, we have a rather large congregation, and I, I became very close with her in our support group. And then, after a few months, I found out that she was <laughs> she's a member of our our synagogue, and so we have become even closer yet. And uh, it was such exactly the situation with her husband, um, and so you know we really could resonate with each other. Um, the one aspect is that the, the specificity, I hope I got that word right, um, mm-hmm. of of being the, not, not just a, a situation with a spouse that one is living with all the time, but uh, the situation for a woman having, a, losing a husband. Now, I, you know, I, I do believe in empowerment of women that they sh- that they should learn financial matters, but I have to raise my hand and confess that numbers were never my <laughs> my strong point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just really like working with twenty six letters and shifting them around. But um, I, he, my husband always took care of all the finances, and I stayed away from it. I mean, I knew how to write checks. But I had uh, this is an added uh, difficulty um, aside from the losing the love uh, of one's life and everything that went with it was having to take on this extra to me I have to admit odious tasks mm-hmm. and my sons were extremely helpful all along with everything but but they know about they know business and law and they were. They had to teach me, and you know, we went into all kinds of different role reversals. Um, they got filing cabinets for me, and <laughs> really set the whole thing up for me as if it were an office, and uh, set up file folders. And there was a lot to deal with, you know, insurance and and uh, just maintenance. Uh, so that was an added thing that really was. I just wish that would go away, um, but that was fixable. I mean, in the fact that I could begin to learn, and I have to do it. I had no other choice, and so, you know, I, I made mistakes, and then my sons would go into a little bit of damage control. But you know, I've managed. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done anything really awful, and I'm, you know, I'm much better with this now, and realize that it has to be done. Mhm. Yeah, it's it, it's just an interesting <laughs> d- 
disease and the twists and turns and what we have to take on and do differently and, and change routines. Um, one of the things that you, you write about was not being able to travel anymore. And, and I, if I remember correctly, it had to do with, did you end up missing a son's wedding? I'm sorry. Did I end up with? Uh, did you Did you guys end up missing a son, a son's wedding? Maybe I'm trying oh, to. We um. Uh, uh, when my son got became engaged, we knew my husband was declining quite a bit at that point, and if there were to be a large wedding at the bride's home, which was in Denver. Uh, that would take many months of planning, and we, the family decided that my husband would be, you know, declined further at that point. So what happened was that a, a rather quickly planned and very small family wedding took, was planned and went forth um, just so that my husband could be there and then uh even at that point he he we we went to a different city and he became very disoriented uh and anxious uh being somewhere where he had not been before and you know, even got confused in the hotel and didn't know what city we were in um but the wedding was came off very beautifully um our um the bride's, uh, you know, my da- my daughter-in-law's parents put together a, a really very beautiful um, ceremony and dinner after, and uh, then then down the road, several months later, the the bride and groom, the kids, who wanted a, a real party um, for their friends and so forth, uh, they they uh, arranged that party and you know we weren't my husband and i couldn't go because you know by that time it was so we just you know he never knew um Mm -hmm. so it it, that you know that was the way that turned out but that that again was just you know a change of having to do something different and planned i mean we we plan things and i mean you know we have to shift then it changes well you write so honestly you say you and i sit home I act adult but feel jealous and a pouting child. As we thought, you cannot travel anymore. Later, Matt tells me that uh, Dana's father expressed sorrow in his speech that Dan's parents could not be there due to health issues. Matt confessed, hearing that caused tears in his eyes. My silent toast, may all those celebrating dance, sing, and raise their glasses high. May the seeds and flowers of their love continue to grow. That had to be so difficult um, to to not be able to be there. Even though you were at the smaller one, um, you as an individual, um, did you feel or, or or do you feel through this process that you've you've lost a piece of yourself um, in in I who you wa- want to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I did for a long time, but it, it was accepting is a process. Um, mm-hmm. The changes continue. I mean, it's not like some situation like a, a house that's burned down or a, a 
some other kind of a disaster where it's happened once and then you have to put the pieces back together, this, of course, is a continuing worsening. And so it's a process of as as the decline happens, um, one has well, I, speaking in my situation, but I had to continue to accept on different levels and and deal with each situation and not dwell. I mean, there were tears, <laughs> believe mm-hmm. me, but not dwell. I mean, there have to be times to pick oneself up and, you know, <laughs> wait for the next shoe to drop. So uh, it was it was sad, but um, the writing of it helped me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am a writer, and so I mean I can even go back to to just add this note: is that the fact that I could sit down and write this puts it into kind of a different perspective, and that I'm using it. Um, mm. I'm trying to express this. I hate to say the cliche, turning pain or ache into art, but Mm -hmm. it is a way of, I mean, I think I was able to have this um, as an outlet for me and something I could deal with. Um, I think that was, I I feel kind of had that. Uh, Uh So that it really kind of i mean if one one particular uh, there are a lot of different scenes i'm not just writing in the book i'm just not writing how i i felt how something happened but i mean there i i in the way that i write always um i i try to do so in scenes so that that the situation is more alive and hopefully the right the reader will feel that he or she is right there hearing mm-hmm. the dialogue and um, how you know looking for the lost car things like yep. this you do a really nice job using um little words really um to describe those scenes um and they're they're so so powerful here's a <clears throat> here's another one it says on seemingly thoughts from my support group we have no partner, no conversation, no love, no appreciation, no life of our own. Um, and those are things I think that do go through people's minds when they're caring. But what you had talked about in terms of this is, and I know that I did, you know, in my my own caring for my my father with brain cancer and my, uh, who's since passed, and my mom was I, I would not give that up though <laughs> even though when i was complaining and feeling sorry for myself i i personally had those thoughts but i couldn't do it differently and i wouldn't mm-hmm. have the, i wouldn't have chosen to do it um or maybe a little bit differently you know at, t- at times I, I i would say that i've learned some things um but that i would never walk away from giving the care and giving the love and what what I found for me and I don't know if you found this but I found new levels of love that I didn't know existed. Yeah, that's um, a good and, that's a good point to bring out and um I I did, you know, I mean one was 
to be able to continue to write. And the other was um, uh, our, our, our memories, but I have to say that there were two sides to, the, to that coin, whereas people would often suggest to me, oh, think of all the wonderful things you've had and done. Um, I, I could, and I, that would be pleasing. However, that would make me sad because they're gone and I'll never have them again. So I had to take on, I, I, I think I'm in some in this way. With things things that are, are very that are small that were um or that were small in comparison to like saying going to a big uh dinner dance where my husband was a, a was a physician and there would be a, an annual big dinner dance where we would get dressed up and look very gorgeous um that ending up going to a, a late afternoon movie uh, and and going out uh, very often with one other particular couple who whose husband was also beginning to decline, we would meet them often for um, a four or five o'clock movie and then get them to eat after. And the two doctors would have pretty much the same conversation. But this was a wonderful event. I mean, it became. When I'd get up in the morning and say, "Oh, good, we're meeting with," you know, think to myself, "Oh, we're good, we're meeting with those friends at at um, at the theater." And um, this this in the midst of, I mean, I, I guess in the scheme of all of the events of life that we we did, such as traveling and going through the Panama Canal, which he had always wanted to do, this was a very small thing, but it became big. I, I built it up, not intentionally, but it was just. That's the way it was, and so we found fun and and um, enjoyment in a, a, something very small, which came out to be a very larger enjoyment and a, and a new way of having fun and love. Mm-hmm. So, Can you? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nancy. Oh no, no, that no. I'm. I'm I, okay. You know, I mean, I don't want to go on so long <laughs> with each question. <laughs> You know, there's so much I, I could talk about, but um, there really is. I mean, because you're talking about your whole life, you're talking about you know, 24 hours a day, and and how you know how do you process things? One of the things I would like you to um, talk about is, you know, how did you manage during those years at home with your husband, you know, activities or just going out and trying to keep things. Yeah, that's a, I'm glad you asked that question because um, this was a major part of this whole um, situation was to keep us. I, I have to pat myself on the back a little bit, if you don't mind, to say that I determined, I made up my mind that we will just keep going and do everything possible that we can um, to go out often to go to the theater and I, I've going into museums. He was never uh, thrilled about uh, strolling through museums, but with me, you know, he just he was he was retired, of course, obviously by then. And um, we made I made a big deal out of it, and we would go to a museum, and he enjoyed it, seemed to enjoy it, and stay longer than he used to. He was always kind of eager to move into the next room. Or, or leave and go eat, 
Um, so we would do we would do things like this. He, he was never a big opera lover, but I took him to the opera, the music center, and he was just glad to be out among people and, to, of course, to be with me because he was dependent on me. Uh, we we did um, activities at home. Um, we played Scrabble. We would we got into a, a little habit of watching Jeopardy every night after dinner. It was just you know what he what he was taking in from the show. It didn't matter. We were just sitting there together on the on the sofa. We we got my my sons were helpful in looking up and finding as the decline happened activities that would be appropriate for that stage and so we um one was getting jigsaw puzzles and then i guess the, the first jigsaw puzzle that we we started to work with was too had too many pieces so we went down to large smaller and a smaller amount of larger pieces um we also I kept up traditional things that we had done, you know, special things on birthdays, anniversaries, and for Valentine's Day, um, I, I would always. And it just became once our kids left home, you know, I made a little special Valentine's dinner for us each each year with a fancy new dish and candlelight and candles floating in water and using the china dishes and it, it had been a fun thing for many years and after a while he didn't remember it and I said I'll just keep doing this you know I and it was it was good it just that that's the way I thought that it needed to be um and um I, I think it worked uh, maybe for him I think in the moment that was living in the now for him, and it made me feel as if we were continuing and mm-hmm. take, keeping taking everything that we could. So um, I'm trying to think of any you know other kinds of activities we did. I mean, we went walking a little bit more. We had a dog, and um, there were um, a lot of going out to eat. Often was was very. Um, you know, we continued with that, and we had people over for for dinner or brunch, and um, our our kids were. Oh, we 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 would go to my my sons would, were really wonderful about coming uh, coming over, and and the one Daniel from out of town would would come in, and they would do very special things, you know, dad and son events going to Dodger Stadium, taking him for miniature golf, things that he really could do and just was happy doing. And and I, that was just a great help to me. That would give me, you know, an afternoon. We also did a lot of family things together when, when we would, the four of us would be together. And that was just great. He, My husband was just extremely happy with the four of us being together. And then when we, when Daniel got married, then we, had five, and that was terrific when we had a Thanksgiving dinner together and we did the whole thing. Um, so uh, we we really did just keep going. And I also, one last note I need to say is that I took him to the synagogue often for Shabbat services and for every event, a Hanukkah party, um, 
a, a forum party for holiday events, and he, he really didn't uh, take in the, the situation itself or the holiday itself. Or, but he was very glad to be there. To he liked the music a, a great deal, as many people with dementia. Music is just a top thing to, to deal with. Yep. and um, or to play or to keep going or um, going to musical events and putting music on at home. And um, he was happy being in a social situation. There were a lot of people around. He really couldn't make much conversation, but he was very glad to have people there and at least people saying hi and how are you. And um, uh, it just... Um, and, and there was food, you know. I, I, they, there was a lot of... Eating. This is this is another little symptom of um, that that many Alzheimer's patients have um, going through the cupboards and looking for <laughs> looking for magic things to reappear that were <laughs> that were not there to begin with. Um, yeah, my mom used to. Um, she didn't go through the cupboard so much, and a lot of people will say that they lose their appetite as well. So I mean, it just depends on the individual. But when That's we right. take my, there are some who my, do, and mine enjoyed eating, and he loved sweets. And I, I used to be, uh, you know, kind of on his case when when there were there was too much dessert. But at this point, you know, I said, listen, if that he enjoys that, it's okay, and I I'd let go. Um, yep. Yeah, me eat. too. Yeah. My, when I take my mom out, we had to stop going to a buffet line because she would start multiple plates, and she would put uh, some food on it, and then she'd put it down, and then she'd have I, I hear that. Yeah. to that. Or we'd have uh, these huge picnics in the backyard, and she would have um, eaten, and then we cleared her plate away. Mm-hmm. And then somebody would sit down next to her with food, and then she would get upset. Well, why can't she have any? And yeah. so you know, we, we had to do things a little bit different because we took away her cues that she mm-hmm. knew she ate, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's just Feels interesting um, mm-hmm. how things have to be done. Or in a restaurant, um, off a menu, how we ordered changed um, because I found that that just got so frustrating. And so yeah. instead of asking her what she wanted and she would be looking at the menu, she couldn't comprehend the menu. And so a lot of people will say nowadays that they just go to the same old restaurant, they get the same old thing because it's comfortable. Comfortable but it's empowering, and familiar, yes. But it's empowering to the the person with the disease to mm-hmm. still feel independent. And, um, you know, with my mom, what what I ended up doing with her was I would I would make a comment like I can't decide what I want to eat so if would you want to share if we get this and that and that way we had two things oh, that to was pick a good from. idea because sometimes she would order something then she would get I didn't order that and you you mm-hmm. can't argue you know and so I found if I approached it that she was helping me with my indecision which you know was true because I love a little bit of everything anyways so it always. <laughs> out really well that way that we just uh-huh. shared and it was more comfortable and you know that I could even cut stuff up because I was cutting my stuff up and then you know it, it just uh, it, it worked really really well for for a very very long time with well, us one, but a, a little uh, an aside on the, the food business 
um, my husband would, as the years went on, would just like to help me. And so I, I would have him help. I said, would you like to make brownies together? And, you know, he would never, ever in a million years have done anything like that before. But he was so happy to do that. It was, you know, very simple. We would just use a mix, and I'd say break the eggs. And, um, and you know, he would be very happy with the fruits of his labor after. Mm-hmm. Or the chocolate, I should say, the chocolate of his labors after. So... <laughs> That was something, and and even making, uh, uh, helping with the dinner would take a lot longer for me um, mm-hmm. to have to stop and explain. And here, chop this, and I'll chop these a little bit smaller. And um, but that that also was an activity for a while, and um, something that he really enjoyed. Um, I, I must say that we, I did take him to a daycare place. Um, for uh, for quite some time, and he and he enjoyed that. It was a little bit strange for him at first, but he it was an excellent place in Los Angeles, Santa Monica, and uh, he uh, came to enjoy that very much. And um, we started out a couple days a week, and then we ended up five days a week. And by that time, uh, I had someone help in the driving because I had had an illness myself. And I was able to, even though he resisted, he 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 was in denial all the time. I should mention that. Um, and when I would have someone come to stay or help, uh, stay or help, um, so that I could go out in an afternoon, and he would say, "I don't want a baby." You know, he would be very angry. He said, "I don't need a babysitter. I don't need a babysitter." And um, uh, it, it once I became ill, we we would say. Uh, this is a help for me, and uh, he, this was acceptable to him. So there are ways of tweaking things, and um, one has to be working at this quite often. It's not, yeah, you know. Yeah, you, it it can be slow, real easy, and just like anything else, our life changes. You have uh, one in, one comment in here where you say, I admit to gnawing anger that a once intelligent man now says such stupid things. The facilitator confronts me. Uh, might I still harbor a degree of denial? I bite my lips. Maybe, maybe so. Does complete acceptance exist? You know, and what a great question to pose. You know, how many hurdles must we leap? You ask how you know how complex um, you know do we have to navigate through this? It's um, it, it's amazing because it, it there's so many twists and turns and variables of loss and and um, and even for you just to say so honestly you know that he says stupid things now um, you know and this isn't meant you know for anyone with dementia listening to hurt but it but it is a change. Um, in terms of personality and you know how things are are um, played between the two of you, and and how do you deal with that? How do you navigate? How do you how do you get through that? And you know it sounds like you've really you've done a great job, and and I think writing can be so so healing, and I wish more people would do it. It um, was, and I I I will sing the praises of support groups. Um, I just found those extremely mm-hmm. helpful in every in on many layers, and I know that 
men are very reluctant to go to uh, support groups or go to a psychologist. They some may go to a, a, a psychologist and just talk one on one, but they're very reluctant to go to groups and share. Um, they just don't talk that way. I mean, I shouldn't be generalizing, but I mean, over the years and all the the people I've met and the various places I've been to and the conferences and the lectures and so forth, uh, men generally do not. Um, and so I'm just putting out the word, hey, guys out there, if you need some support or you need su- um, suggestions on how to deal with very specific things, I mean, a very specific, small thing can become very uh, difficult, such as some people don't want to take uh, some uh, patients don't want to have a shower. Well, you, mm-hmm. you do you learn you listen to the facilitator or some of the other people in the group uh, tell you how they do it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, well, I don't want to leave it that way, but I mean, uh, what I'm saying is that like a very good idea is to begin helping a shower from the feet up and to move up uh, so that there is not the shock of suddenly water coming down on your head. or uh, That was a, a very good suggestion, just one idea that can come from uh, either books, but mostly it's very helpful to be in the support group. So yeah. I am, I'm, I'm pushing that. <laughs> yeah, I... And there's a there's a group now, um, and there's several uh, there's over a hundred of them now in the U.S. called Memory Cafes, that are just yes. absolutely wonderful. And if anyone is interested in learning more about those, you can reach out to me. I've got a section on the website with that. We're trying to get them listed in the resource directory. So if anyone has a, a memory cafe, which is uh, where a person with early memory loss and their loved one um, goes for support, and I. I I hate to even call it a support group because really it's a group of friends that gets together and um, does a lot of laughing and shares experiences and talks openly and and, um, most of them stay together the whole time. They don't separate. Exactly. um, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because um, it becomes a a sharing thing rather than just um, that's an added layer to Yes, definitely. And everybody um, chimes in. If they're, if somebody's struggling, um, it's not just the caregivers giving advice. It's the people with dementia going, well, this is how it feels to me. And this is what it's like or this is what we've done. And it, it's quite interesting. Um, you also tackle in your book uh, that uh, about the motor vehicle, Department of Motor Vehicles uh, letter arrives which states your license is revoked um, as of January of uh, 2007. And that's just such a a touchy, touchy uh, topic. And, you know, it talks about, you know, it gives them directives if they want to make an appointment for a hearing and, um, you know, basically, um, you know, what it says. And it notes in the box the word dementia. And it says, who says I'm demented? This mm-hmm. is unacceptable, a mistake. Who turned me in, you know, mm-hmm. as as if you're a criminal? And, I, you know, that's a pretty common, uh, I think, reaction. 
and most of us would have that um, if if we got that letter in the mail. How is that to navigate through? I mean, if people read this, they can find out. But can you talk about that? Because that that's sure. got to be. Sure, and that is a, a really one of the most difficult situations. And that obviously takes away the independence of the person, and and um, especially if it's I, I think if it's a parent um, and can still have. Um, I think it would be different with a parent, but with a spouse, um, I would be there all the time to drive. But and I, my sons and I were hoping that it would be a, a kind of a smooth transition, little by little. I mean, I would try to do that. I had different suggestions on how to say, "Oh, I'll drive now. Look at you drove me all these years. Now you sit back and rest and take it easy, and I'll drive." Um, and sometimes that would work, and sometimes that would bring about anger, um, and he wouldn't let go, and we finally had to, uh, you know, as as you said, every case is totally different. There are people who just are very uh, um, open to just understanding, I can't drive anymore, um, or if there's an accident, God forbid, because, you know, there's um, the liability involved in that, and that was something, with one of my sons being an attorney, that was a very big issue but uh, he would not and we had to find out what to do um in order to have it taken away because he would sometimes just go out or take a I we had the keys and he would try to put another key uh into the door um of the of the automobile um and so we had to go the you know the difficult way of having the doctor write to the DMV and say well, he believes that there is um he has a patient who um is, should not be driving anymore showing signs of and they call it um early uh, um what's the I'm losing my cognitive the cognitive yeah. impairment yeah maybe there's so many different phrases that can be yeah, used yeah i know so. they do a lot of euphemisms <laughs> um and so hence this letter came and brings it up to the point where you were speaking and he got this letter um, and uh, it offered him the chance to uh, confront them and uh, gave him a couple of weeks to call and make an appointment if he would like to um, uh, uh, refute this. And um, he got a hold of a, a manual, uh, a driving manual, which, you know, you have to read in order to, he thought he had to take the test again. And, you know, this was very heartbreaking for me. And, of course, he couldn't concentrate. He would look at, the, he would look at it and uh, try to read it, and he really couldn't, you know, focus on it. And he would keep picking it up and looking. And I, I kept hoping that he would just forget about this, this deadline to call in and make an appointment. And somehow he did not forget that. I, mm-hmm. I don't know or why, but he did call and make an appointment, and so I had to drive him, uh, and he had a little interview with someone from the DMV, and, you know, it became clear at that point. And, and somehow a letter came to say this was final, and I think even by that time, you know, a number of weeks go by, and it sort of just faded away. It just kind of his idea of still wanting to drive, it just faded away and 
but everything up to that point was very hard and sad for the, our our family. Um, oh, I... but we had to yeah we had to go to the last resort. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you you speak of of many many transitions in the book, which are. Or, you know, from from daycare and and so forth. I mean, it's just multiple multiple scenarios, and I I really highly recommend that that people read your book, Moments of Dawn, a poetic memoir of love, family, affliction, and affirmation, because it it is it's just beautifully done and so honest, and I think will resonate with people in terms of. You know, I'm a firm believer that you have to um, feel your emotions to push through them. Uh, you know, we can't just stuff them away. <laughs> they don't. They don't go away. And right, I think they don't. And will will help to process those and mm-hmm. make them into something else. But I just uh, thought that you know that I might mention that uh, the book is available um, for a Kindle or an iPad um, through Amazon. Uh, and it's just five ninety nine on uh, if it's purchased through that, and th- one can get to that either by going directly to um, my website, which is my uh, www.nancysmilerlevinson.com, dot com, or go directly to type in Moments of Dawn, Levinson, uh, or the publisher, Conflux Press, C-O-N-F-L-U-X Press, all in one word, at gmail.com. And so it's available that way, and I have print copies here if anybody uh, can get in touch with you, then you know I can, and a check can be sent to me. I, I'm happy to mail a copy out. Okay, but wonderful. Probably the easiest thing for listeners um, might be to get that, and I think that also the Kindle and the iPad. I think they can also get that on their on the, read it on the computer. Mm-hmm. I'm not very savvy about <laughs> technology or computers. But I understand that that can be also. Um, okay. Yeah. What wonderful. Well, I I thank you so much for your time today, Nancy. Um, I, it was I'm I'm so glad that your son connected us and that I found out about. Oh, I your, am too. I, that was book. such a uh, interesting situation that when he called me up and said, "Guess what? Lori <laughs> lives nearby," and um, I understand you had coffee together so that you could. Yep discuss various aspects. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> nice, nice, nice man. And uh, I really appreciate him, uh, him I, connecting us. Yes, I and I thank you so much for, for the invitation to speak with you and to speak with the audience. And and I, I surely hope um, I send all my best wishes to all those who are caregivers. And um, we are not alone. <laughs> No, we're not. No, we're not. That's for sure. Well, thank you again, Nancy, and you enjoy thank your you week. Thank you so okay? much, Lori. Okay, bye now. Okay, bye-bye. I do want to remind people of the upcoming Dementia Chat on um, May 28th, uh, and that will be 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Um, 
Central and Noon Pacific Time. Our next show uh, for the radio will be on the 28th as well. That'll be in the morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central Time, where we're going to have Music First, which is a brand-new app of Coral Health. And then we're going to talk about activities uh, that you can do in the home. Uh, again, if you are looking for an Alzheimer's Association, feel free to go to Alzheimer's Disease International at www.alz.co.uk. And if you're interested in a clinical trial, check out alzheimerstudies.com. And again, have a wonderful, wonderful week. And remember, life with dementia is about progress, not perfection. Keep in mind the three things that you need to focus on when dealing with someone with dementia. And this applies actually for everyone. Are they safe? Are they happy? Are they pain-free? Have a wonderful week. We'll talk soon. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.